0: Hello and welcome to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast. I'm Monica Van Deventer. Let me tell you a little bit about the tribe we're building here at Major Gifts Fundraiser. We're working with people like you who wanna be among the very best in this field. You wanna accomplish great things. You wanna challenge yourself. You wanna grow and you are up for going on a journey because you know a journey is what it takes to become the very best version of yourself. If you're listening to this podcast because you know that in order to be a great fundraiser, you have to spend time thinking about how you'll be a great fundraiser. You can learn more about our new online training programs at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. And without further ado, here's Clark.
1: Buenos dias, mis amigos. Clark Van Deventer here from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope that you are having a great day. All right. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am going to get a wee bit, just a wee bit vulnerable with you for just a moment. And I'm not going to talk about how, I'm not going to, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about how much I'm suffering because I can't run and do all the things I want to do because my ankle is still broken. I am still recovering. I'm not going to, that's not where I'm going with this. I saw a quote the other day. Tim Ferriss, do you, okay, if you don't know Tim Ferriss, I love Tim Ferriss, he is worth a follow, and I love his podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show, uh, Tim has a few more listeners than me, he has also written a few a few more New York Times bestsellers than I have, uh, his book, which I have back here in my bookshelf, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, had a big impact on me years ago, also 4-Hour Body. Um, anyway, Tim is an insightful guy, and he has lots of great guests on his show. Um, some of the interviews I've loved over the years, Mike Rowe, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, those are, have been episodes that have stuck with me. Just You may want to go check those out. Um, also, a uh, good interview with, what can I think of his name, Hugh Jackman. That was a good interview, too. Um, he's an insightful guy. I also like his haircut. We have the same haircut. Anyway, all right, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, Tim shared this quote. I'm not even talking about Tim Ferriss here. What I want to talk about is this quote that Tim shared. And when he shared this quote, I right, it's like it just pops up in my newsfeed or whatever. And I was like, ooh. The quote was from Pablo Picasso. Here's the quote. Are you ready for this? Uh, Success is dangerous. One begins to copy oneself. And to copy oneself is more dangerous than to copy others. Success is dangerous. One begins to copy oneself. And to copy oneself is more dangerous than to copy others. So I I read that. and, And I thought... I and I was applying this to multiple areas of my life, but I, I specifically today, like, okay, for you and me, right? The conversation that you and I could have how much of my work on Major Gifts Fundraiser recently, how much am I copying myself? And now the, the quote continues. By the way, success is dangerous. One begins to copy oneself, and to copy oneself is more dangerous than to copy others. It leads to sterility. All right. Okay. Definition. Of, okay. Look. Looked it up. All right. Just what's the textbook definition of sterility? The quality or condition of being sterile. All right. Which proper the definition of sterile. Um, not able to produce children or young. Um, of a plant, not able to produce fruit or seeds. Of land or soil, too poor in quality to produce crops. Or, all right, now this definition could really apply potentially. Lacking in imagination, creativity, or excitement. Uninspiring or unproductive. Ooh. Um, There's another quote attributed to Picasso. To copy others is necessary, but to copy oneself is pathetic. All right. So, all right, vulnerability, right? Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I saw that original quote, and I thought, am I copying myself? Am I lacking imagination, creativity, excitement? It's Okay, first of all, I will confess, it is rare that I am accused of lacking excitement. But am I lacking imagination and creativity? And okay, and that's a question that I can ask myself occasionally. And there would be a part of me that would say, if I am copying myself, I am doing it right. I tell my clients all the time, find something worth saying and keep saying it. And I will tell my clients, if you find that you are repeating yourself you're doing it right like find something worth saying and keep saying it and there are certain things as a fundraising coach that i feel i cannot say too much i cannot repeat enough but flip side to that coin right i think back to my early days as a consultant and i've been consulting for 15 16 years uh I think back to my early days as a consultant and as a coach and how much I was literally copying my mentor, the late, great Gerald Panis. I wanted to be Jerry the same way that Kobe Bryant wanted to be Michael Jordan. And I even got the same French cuff shirts that Jerry wore. And I got the same knotted cuff links that Jerry wore. And to this day, there are phrases that I use. And there's even a cadence to my speech. Not just the words, but the cadence of the words that I use. And I like you don't know what they are. You've heard me say them so many times. You don't even know that I am literally copying or mimicking Jerry. I I do the same thing with my old boss, Ron Robinson. There are times, still lots of times, where I'm like, if I were to sit back and analyze what I'm doing, I am channeling Ron Robinson. And you may think for a moment, you may say, well, that's not creative. Okay, but let's go back to this Picasso quote me putting my spin on Gerald Panas or my spin on Ron Robinson is actually more creative than me putting my own spin on myself. So this morning, this morning, I went to my bookshelf and I picked up an old book that I read a long time ago. I would have first read this in my early 20s, and I am pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that the last time I read it was nine years ago. I don't remember picking this up at any point in in recent years, and I'm pretty sure it was nine years ago that I last read it. How do I know that? Do I just have a mind that is like a steel trap? No, the reason I'm assuming this is because there's actually... In this book, there is a check from a client. (laughs) Dated April 3rd, 2014. Uh, Check for $1,000. I have signed it for mobile deposit. And I'm pretty sure that's the last time I read this book. Uh, The book is Be a Sales Superstar by Brian Tracy, who I know I have talked about on this podcast before because Brian Tracy's books and audio programs had a big impact uh, on my life and my career early on and I have one tiny interaction with Brian Tracy in my life that's kind of a funny story to tell but I'm not going to tell it right now because I'm trying to stay focused okay and today I'm going to copy Brian Tracy a little bit, or at least use Brian Tracy as a jumping-off point because that is I've decided better than copying myself. And I'm going to share a few things I have circled and underlined in this book and share a little commentary. All right, so we are going to start with what is called, and this is actually from the preface of this book. Um, we're going to start with what he calls, um, and I don't think I don't think this is a Brian Tracy original concept but it's a concept called the winning edge principle okay he says this is one of the great insights to success in every area of life including selling all right or in our case including fundraising the principle says small differences in ability in key areas can lead to enormous differences in results All right, I'll read that again. Small differences in ability in key areas can lead to enormous differences in results. Um, Okay, he continues, your weakest important skill sets the height at which you can use all your other skills and determines your income. Okay, Uh, I'll say this again. Your weakest important skill your, your, I'm sorry, your weakest important skill sets the height at which you can use all your other skills and determines your income, which is like, wow. That's a scary thought. You can be like really good, really excelling in one area. But if you're only this good somewhere else, like that's actually your height. That is your ceiling. Scary thought, actually. Um, your strengths have brought you to where you are today But your weaknesses are now holding you back from progressing further and faster. Okay, now a bit of this, a bit of this is actually contrary to some of the best advice I got from one of my mentors, Ron Robinson, when I was a college student. And Ron told me to ignore my weaknesses and to go all in on my strengths. And there there is truth to that. But in fundraising, if I am really good at relationship building, but bad at making the ask, there's a ceiling. If I am really good with asking, but bad at closing, there's a ceiling. If I am really good with people, all right, like I just, when I'm with people, I'm really good, but I'm disorganized. All right. Well, I may be able to work a room or make a connection with people when I'm actually with them face to face. But without a system to methodically build those relationships. There's a ceiling. So, all right. You you may ask yourself right now. All right. Where are you weakest? Because that's your ceiling. All right. By the way. All right. If you use the major gifts fundraiser points scorecard all right we have a scorecard you can use where you can score points all right now if you don't know if you've never heard me talk about this you can email me for it or you can go i probably have an old podcast episode where i talk about this um so we tell fundraisers if you want to know you're going to be successful right you're like i'm starting out this job and i want to be successful how do i know i'm going to be successful because the lag measure is dollars raised right it takes time to build relationships to do the work that's going to actually raise money what are the lead measures so we have all these activities and we we just say like if you do this stuff trust us you will raise money and we we have a scorecard where you can score points doing this stuff and uh, there's other things you can do but The main way you score points is by having visits. And there's four different types of visits you can have, discovery meetings, um, cultivation meetings, solicitation meetings, and stewardship meetings. And there's a different point value ascribed to each of those different types of meetings. Um, But we actually give you bonus points on the scorecard at the end of the month, if you have uh, had meetings that month in all four categories. Right, because that would be a sign that you have a healthy donor pipeline, and it's a sign that you are not avoiding what would potentially be or is likely your weakest point. Right, like if you're really bad at closing, you probably, or if you're really bad at asking, you probably avoid solicitation meetings. You may have tons of cultivation meetings, but we want to make sure you're continuously having those solicitation meetings because you're going to develop that skill. So you're making progress on this winning edge principle. Does that make sense? All right, so let's go back, let's go back to the book. All right, so that little jumping off point. I'm just gonna get another jumping off point. And my next jumping off point, I have another bookmark. And with this this bookmark, we have another clue. I find this stuff so fun. Do, does this happen to you? So I've got an Air Tran Airways receipt from August 18th of 2013. So apparently I was reading this book in, in August of 2013 and I was returning back to it, right, in April 2014. And the, I have the evidence right there. All right, page page 19, this is chapter 3. Um, I've got a couple of notes here. Selling is a transfer of enthusiasm, um, and the 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 title of the chapter: "Putting Your Whole Heart Into Your Selling." Um, a couple of notes here. Top salespeople believe in their companies. Selling has often been called a transfer of enthusiasm. The more enthusiastic and convinced you are about what you are selling, the more contagious this enthusiasm will be, and the more your customers will sense it and act on it. All right. You ought to believe in it. All right. You ought to be excited about the organization you represent. And if you're not, like, what? What the heck are you doing with your life? Okay. Okay. Uh, this is this is the Steve Jobs Stanford address, all right. And if you don't know it, you should go watch it, all right. Uh, go to YouTube, just search Steve Jobs Stanford address. Um, some people refer to this as the first TED talk, like TED. It's not a TED talk, all right, but it's like a fifteen-minute speech, and it has kind of the components of what has become a TED talk. Um, but in that speech, he says that we spend too much time at our work for our work, not to at least in part define who we are. So, if you are giving your life to something you don't really care about, like go do something different, uh, especially especially those of us in development work, because development work isn't the kind of thing where you just punch in and punch out there's evenings and there's weekends and probably lots of airports and you're um, emotionally invested in these relationships so do do you believe in your product are you passionate about your cause are you enthusiastic because if you if you are not enthusiastic there can be no transfer of enthusiasm. And, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, three things donors have told us in surveys that they are looking for in the nonprofit leaders who call on them for a gift, um, energy, empathy, and enthusiasm. All right. So if there can't be a transfer of enthusiasm if you're not enthusiastic. All right. Um, Moving moving on. Um, I'm on page 51 of my my book. This is the beginning of chapter eight. Um, become brilliant at the basics. Okay, this is going to be a longer one. And I will do this one and stop here and then pick up with the next episode and continue. I think I'll c- continue doing this, m- at least for one more episode, because there's lots more in this book. Um, but do the basics well. All right, so we talk about this with a thank you and stewardship process when we're working with our clients. We want you to do a really good job. We want you to be brilliant at thinking and stewarding your donors. And we call that, right, this like doing the basics well of thinking and stewarding your donors. This is the ante you pay in order to be at the table. All right, in poker, you pay an ante to get a seat at the table and the ante... Um, you, You pay to be in the major gifts game is doing the basics well. And the basics, right, that's sending gift receipts and gift acknowledgements. But that's just the ante. That's just the basics. And we want you to become brilliant at the basics. To do the basics way better than any organization does the basics. All right. In this chat, there's lots of good stuff in this chapter. Um, So AIDA is something in particular he talks about. And if you don't know AIDA, you got to know AIDA. This is a thing. This is classic cell stuff. Um, Okay. AIDA. The AIDA model describes the basic sales process. It has been used consistently throughout history. The four letters in AIDA stand for attention, interest, desire, and action. Okay, Attention, interest, desire, action. The logical process of making a buying decision. Whenever you are having problems in your sales, it is because you are falling down in one of these four areas so if you're struggling with right a, a, a major gift prospect right or a a donor who would be a probable donor for a major gift which is a nicer way of saying prospect um so you're falling down in, in one of these four areas attention interest desire action you're going to ask yourself which is it Get the prospect to listen to you. The first word attention requires that before you begin selling to anyone, you must break his or her preoccupation. You must get the customer to listen to you and pay attention to you, right? And you know, the fact is that everyone is busy today. Therefore, every sales call is an interruption of something else, right? Um, Attention. Interest, all right? You got to get the prospect interested, the second letter in the AID model stands for interest. You arouse interest by showing features of your product or service, or by explaining how your product or service can improve the life or work of the prospect. Um, okay, I'd I have maybe a little more commentary on that, just because I want to I want to focus more on benefits and less on features with our donors. Like I don't I don't care how many. I don't care how many um students are gonna be able to enter the auditorium. I care about the lives that are gonna be changed. Um uh, you want you want to talk about outcomes, the 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 big um the promise that you're making to your donors if they give to you, right? The world's gonna be changed, the world's gonna be saved. Um Arouse buying desire, the third letter in A-I-D-A stands for desire. All right. Oh, this is so good. All right. This is kind of like leading into what I was just saying. Because as I always say, we do not need to save the world. We want to save the world. We don't need to save souls. We want to save souls. We don't, right? We don't. We don't need to clean up our neighborhood. We want to clean up our neighborhood. Like people respond to wants, not needs. So that that's like you got to make people want this, right? That's desire. Feature. Okay. Okay. So all right, Brian. All right. I'm tracking you now, Brian Tracy. Features arouse interest, but desire causes the prospect to buy. All right. The third letter in. The AIDA model stands for desire. This is the part of the sales presentation where you explain the benefits that the prospect will enjoy from using your product or service. Features arouse interest, but desire causes the prospect to buy. If your prospect says something like, I want to think it over, what he or she is really saying is, you have not aroused my buying desire high enough for me want to for me to want to proceed at this time. Ooh, this is so good. This is so good. You got to you got to make your people want it. Want it. My son the other day, my amazing son. Right? He he was he was like he it's so cool. My son is 15. He's got his first job. Um, and he is so cool. He wanted to make a gift to to an organization. He wanted to. And he was like, This is a little more than maybe I should give. But I want to. How cool is that? And he gave the gift. How cool is that? All right. Uh, the last letter in the AIDA model stands for action. This is the part of the process where you ask the customer to make a definite buying decision to take action on your offer. This is where you close the sale. All right. Action. And and like if you don't if you don't know how to close you don't know like asking is not enough you got to close you got to work on your closing techniques um all right i'm just going to tell you that the next chapter of the book i have super marked up so we i could keep i could keep going i'm not going to right now um okay two other non-Brian Tracy related things I want to remind you of before I wrap up today. Okay, one is that you can work with us on your year end. The year end is coming. Go back and listen to the last episode, episode number 163. I gave you some great tips on getting ready for your Giving Tuesday and your year end push. And there's different ways you can approach this. You can do a whole separate thing for Giving Tuesday, or you can just kind of like... Focus all your energy on year end and maybe use Giving Tuesday as like an excuse to promote your year and to push. But ju- you can just go back and listen to episode 163 and you can implement that stuff. Like, go for it. Go just go go do that stuff I talk about in episode 163. But if you would like to work with us and have us coach you through that process, you can email me, Clark at major fundraiser.com. All right. The other thing, group coaching in the new year. All right, we are going to be starting some new pods or consortiums of aspiring peak performance fundraisers. All right, um, it's kind of like open enrollment season, right? It's open enrollment season. So if you want to link arms with some other professionals, right, people like you who want to be great, and I'm I'm going to be right there in the thick of it with you, um, we are going to be putting together some new group coaching sections in the new year. So we're going to link you up with some other people and we're going to go on a journey together. If you are interested in that, you want to like lock arms with people who want to be great. We're going to hold you accountable and challenge you to be great. If you're interested in that. You know my email, I just shared it. Clark at major com. That's Clark at com. And remember, we are also on social media. So you can go find Major Guest Fundraiser on, of course, on LinkedIn, but also on Facebook, on Instagram, and yes, even on, even on TikTok. Yeah, I know. Seriously. I can't believe it either. So go find us, like us comment and stuff. I'll see those comments and I will respond. All right, that's it. That's all I have for you today. More with Brian Tracy and the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. Monica here again. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our workshops and how you can bring Clark into your organization for a day or two workshop where he works directly with you and your team in your office. If you're benefiting from these podcasts, imagine how much more you could accomplish with Clark spending a couple days in your office. You can book a strategic development workshop with Clark. This all starts with Clark getting together on a long call with you, either over the phone or video conference. He's gonna dig in, he's gonna find out who you are, what your organization's about, what challenges you face, and just where you're at in general. Then he's going to provide a written development report. This report is something that you could give to your boss or your board. It's a professional outside assessment of where your organization is at. And that call is really important because Clark wants to know where you are so that when he comes in, he can spend his time addressing the issues that are most pertinent to you and where you guys are as an organization. So, Clark's going to travel to you. He's going to get on a flight. He's going to come out to wherever you are and spend some time with you and your team. There's a real synergy that happens during these workshops. Everybody's on the same page. They're hearing the same message. They're starting to talk in the same vocabulary. It's really powerful. And, you know, when Clark first got started in fundraising, he was fortunate to have access to really great training. He went to professional seminars led by the best fundraising coaches of their time, but still he would leave and get back to his office and be back in the trenches, and even after having all that great training, when it was time to actually get back to work, he felt a little bit lost, there were doubts that crept in, how do I make this relevant to me? Then the organization he worked for hired one of those speakers, one of those coaches who was leading the seminars, to come to their office and coach them directly, They did this multiple times, and it was amazing. Clark got to spend some time with Gerald Panis. If you know him, you know how amazing he was at fundraising. And he got to travel with Jerry and meet with donors. Jerry became a mentor to Clark, and that meant so much to his career because Jerry was the best fundraising coach of his time, hands down. He was a legend. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but he lived to be 89, and he was full of life to the end. Still, of course, it's very sad that Jerry is gone. But I think Clark is the Jerry Panis of this next generation. He has a letter from Jerry, and it was written on Clark's behalf to a university president, and he wrote... Clark knows how to manage people. He works effectively with volunteers and board members. He knows every aspect of fundraising and operating a development office. Best of all, he loves asking for gifts. He's a star. I can't recommend these in-house workshops enough. They're a shot in the arm for your organization and you'll be so inspired, but not just inspired. You're going to feel motivated and equipped to take on the world. To find out more about these workshops, email me at Monica at Major Gifts Fundraiser. That's Monica, M O N I C A, at Major Thanks for listening.